Hey, welcome to Kingsway Caring Bar. We are a community inspired by love to live differently. I'm Dave, one of the pastors here. It's so great to have you with us. We pray this teaching will inspire you, build your faith, and lead you to a life of fullness and freedom in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Father, we thank you that because of the full sufficiency of Jesus, nothing stands between us. That your obedience to go to the cross on our behalf and to take on the sin of the world upon your shoulders, ours included, and to put it to death in that grave and to rise again victorious on our behalf. Father, we thank you that it is that work that renders us your own that nothing this morning stands between us, that there is freedom in your presence, there is welcome in your presence, that you are just like the Father that welcomes home the prodigal. With open arms here this morning, you welcome us in. In Jesus' name, amen. Wonderful. Thank you, team. I, um, I wasn't planning on sharing this uh, but I felt prompted just now as we were uh, in worship. I, on last Saturday, I went for a surf and did my back in, and it was it's been really, really sore all week, and so I thought I'd go and get a massage, which I, I generally fixes the problem. If I get a bad back, just go and um, get a good, solid massage, and she comes good. Anyway, I went up to Caring Bar earlier in the week, and um, no one place in particular. It's kind of right over wherever it just, you know, you go for one of those things, you go and part with your hard-earned and your get the hard work done in the back. Anyway, it was, um, it was, if you've ever had one of these kinds of massages, it was a very underwhelming experience. Uh, when you ask for a bit more pressure and there's just none of it there. Um, I mean, it feels nice, right? It's relaxing and they get the little oils on there and they do the little, you know, bits and pieces. And um, I found myself almost drifting off to sleep. It was um, that uninvolved and it didn't require anything of me, but it felt quite nice. And I came home and I told Elise about uh, my poor experience and apologized for wasting our money. And she said, you've got to go and see this other girl. And um, Elise has taught at a Pilates studio just around the corner and there's a, 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 a masseuse in there. And she you've got to go and see this girl. She is amazing. And I said, righto, sign me up. I'll give it another crack. Anyway, Friday afternoon, I went in and um, as soon as she saw me, and she, she put a hand on me, she said, oh, you're so very tight. And I'm like, that's why I'm here. Anyway, the next hour was almost like being in some kind of um, torture chamber. And maybe you've had an experience like this where there was no, um, no reason or no way I could get out of being involved in the process. Um, my back is that crook and the tightness in all of my muscles such that this girl needed to use my own body as leverage points to get her elbows and knees and all of that in there, and it was a grueling experience. Like the grunting and the groaning. When she left the room, the other people, I heard them say, are you okay? <laughs> we heard you. <laughs> That's the kind of experience this was. And while I was lying there, the Lord was speaking to me about the kind of church that I think he wants, and he doesn't want a church that's going to go and see a physician that's just going to um, make it easy and make it comfortable and rub them with a sense of, um, you don't have to be involved in this, but you're going to walk away feeling all nice and happy about it. 
You know, I feel that the church that God is calling us to be, and I think one that would make him proud of all churches, is that we're willing to, you know, to get involved in the process and to suffer sometimes the pain to get ourselves to the place of healing. You know, sometimes it requires hard work in God's kingdom um, to preach the gospel. Sometimes it takes hard work um, in God's kingdom for us to push through the limitations of our own life and to seek the kind of breakthrough that we want. Sometimes it requires a little bit of pain to get to the place where God wants us to be. And I believe that it's not a great church growth strategy, but it's a really great church health strategy. Um, that, you know, it, it, that there's a higher bar that I think God is setting um, that requires all of us to rise together and be willing to put ourselves in places and spaces that cost us, that involve our contribution and our involvement that we would see the kind of outcome that we would like to see. Um, and so let's not just settle for the nice, good feeling. Let's not, let's not just settle and turn up on a Sunday and get that half-baked massage. Let's Let's turn up prepared to be involved in the process as God applies um, the loving and kind pressure of his love to our lives that we'd get better and be healed in his name. Sound good? Wonderful. I'm wondering if you've ever been lost, like proper lost. Uh, I had an experience, oh, I should have told that story. Um, that's for another time. Made Jen cry in Colombia. We stole her passport at the airport. <laughs> anyway. That I said as a story for another time. Uh, a week ago, we had the Churches of Christ um, state conference down at Stamble Tops, and they have these silly icebreakers every time. And um, when you when you kind of look like me, and this was pre mullet um, kind of moment, you, you get singled out for these kind of dumb activities. And it was the guy said, "I need someone who's got a bit of rock and roll, and the closest person I can find looking like Keith Green is Dave Stan." Get up here, Dave. And, and I'm thinking, this is stupid. I don't want to do this. And get up there. And, and the, the challenge was um, there was a piece of paper inside a book and it had three songs. One was by the Beatles. Can't remember the name of it. Didn't even know it. Next one was We Will Rock You and the next one was K-San. And I had to open the, the book to where that page was. And I had to, I think it's a Spicks and Specks thing, right? Where I had to try and sing the song to the words that were on the thing. And I am musically challenged Full stop. That is, that is just truth. And I had this out-of-body experience where I could not do this. Um, Kim filmed it. If you want to see the evidence, it, I, I, was, I just could not, for the life of me, get the tune in my head, nor marry the words up, and I, just, I was blank. And he said, do you need someone else to come and help you? And I said, yeah, Jen White. She's got a, so I got Jen up there, and he gave her a book and a set of songs, and, and Jen was equally as proficient as I was in the moment. And so we're both standing there discombobulated in front of the state conference of pastors for Churches of Christ, looking like absolute gooses. Anyway, they said, do you want someone else to help you? And I thought, well, now's the time to get Bredo back. I'll dob him in. And so Bredo got up and he, he saved us. He dug us out of a very deep hole. Even Bredo found it challenging. Dare I say, give it a go. I put it to, um, I was part of Elisa's girls' life group at our place the other night. Weird, I know, but just deal with it. It's all good. Me and all the girls. Anyway, I said, this is what we had to do. And they did it. And they smashed it. All of them. Spent the whole night singing songs to all kinds of random things. Anyway, I felt ridiculously lost. Just in the dark. Couldn't string two words together. Rare. I remember a time, it reminds me of a time when mum and dad took us uh, fall driving in a place called the Butterwang Rangers. It's down south. 
um, and these mountain range kind of, if you know Pigeon House Mountain, just inland from Ulladulla, um, these ranges go all the way, um, they follow the Clyde River that meanders south uh, under the shadow of Pigeon House Mountain to all the way to Batemans Bay. And it is spectacular country. And the drive uh, through there has all the features of a great day out. There's steep hill climbs, there's vast views from natural lookouts, there's um, valleys that extend for long, long ways that remind you of just how small you are. It is just a wonderful experience in God's good creation. Uh, River crossings, they're my favorite. You know, when we got got, got to get out of the four-wheel drive and you get to walk across it first to test how deep it is and you get back in and dad gassed it across the river and all the water's going everywhere and it's just one of these wonderful things. It was uh, a great day out, uh, which is what we were there for, a day out. But as with any adventure, though, things didn't quite go as planned. Uh, as we'd reached the furthest part of our day trip and began to make our way back to the um, civilization and the highway, uh, I remember that it was kind of getting late afternoon where the sun starts filtering in sideways uh, through the trees, and it's quite picturesque and quite beautiful. And we rounded this one particular corner and there in front of us was an ominous hill climb, um, which means that we're down here in the car and we're looking on um, some kind of really big angle up this hill, thinking, how are we going to do this? There was boulders, there was big ruts dug into it, looking at the kind of rocks on the surface, it was all sandstone and slippery, it wasn't stuck together, the ground was very rough, and I reckon Dad was out of, his, out of his depth in the moment, but as any dad knows in those situations, you just don't let on. And with a mix of dad pride being at stake and having to get his family out of literally the middle of nowhere, he calmly yet confidently applied his foot to the pedal and thought, he's going to go hell for leather, and he's going to get us up this thing. And off we went, bouncing around, being thrown around the cabin, three of us in the back seat, mum in the front, holding on for dear life. You can imagine it. And the more effort that we applied, we realised that we were going nowhere. We were stuck. We got to the point in the hill where it didn't matter how much you applied the accelerator, the wheels kept spinning, but the car kept going backwards. We realized how futile the attempt to climb this hill would be. The sun going down in the middle of nowhere. Mum gave us food to distract us so we'd leave Dad alone while he formulated a plan, which I think she was actually most worried about. Dad being a lawyer, his training and career didn't lend itself to bush survival and four-wheel drive recovery. And adding to the already heightened moment, my brother Pete, he went for a walk uh, back down the hill from whence we came. And as he was out of sight, almost like a perfect timing moment, a gunshot rang out through the valley. And my mum screamed my brother's name, Peter, thinking he'd been shot by a farmer. <laughs> it was everything in this moment was just not going to plan. So deep down, Dad knew he had to act quickly. And if we were to get out by sundown, we needed a plan, and this wasn't a court of law where he could argue his way out. The judge and jury were the elements around us. But fortunately for us, when Dad bought this four-wheel drive, he also booked us in for a weekend of four-wheel drive off-road training where he learnt to use the winch 
that was attached to the front of the car. And so um, for the next hour, we all jumped out and we helped get the winch out of the front of the car and find a suitable tree and put it on and wrap it up. And then uh, inch by inch, we had to pull this car with a little button all the way up and out of this hill. I can't remember how much time it absorbed in us getting back to the highway, but it was enough that night had fallen before we got there. And as it turned out, this setback had obviously presented another one. We were now who knows how many kilometres deep in the Butterwang Ranges where maps weren't Googleable and the phone, mobile phone, was the size of the boulders on the side of the road. There were no people, no lights, no road signs, no divine Bethlehemic stars to guide us back to civilization. And at this point, the night was inky black. The next few hours, we poked down various tracks and fire trails in hope that this would be the one that would lead us home. We spun the topographical paper map. Remember those things? It's like a UBD on steroids, a big thing where you just, where are we? Where are we going? And mum looked at dad, and dad looked at mum, and we just heard the words, we're lost. I mean, have you ever been lost? Been without your bearings? Been in a situation where you thought you were going to be somewhere by some time and you find yourself in a predicament, not knowing which way is up or down, not knowing which way is in or know which way is out, knowing how you are possibly going to get yourself out of this situation or out of this season. I mean, this is the kind of lostness that's beyond being in the clothes racks at Kmart when you're a kid not knowing where mum is. The, the type of lostness that you feel when there is little but no hope. Now, I've been curious this week about what's so discombobulating about an experience of feeling lost. Why is being lost such an anxiety-inducing experience? What is it in that moment that causes all of life to race around in the head at one time? What is it about being lost that causes grief in the heart? What is it about being lost in that sense of darkness and can't get out of this? What is it? And as I've sat with my own question this week and as I've reflected over the year that has in our wake, I think the funkiness of feeling lost is born from a sense of separation. Being separated from what is normal, being separated from what is safe, being separated from what is familiar, being separated from what is predictable, being separated from what is measurable, being separated from what is known. Now, when we're lost, we're separated from everything that would remind us of where we're not lost. Making assumptions can often get us in trouble, but I'm going to make one that I think is quite fair, that this year has been a year of lostness and separation for many, if not for all of us at varying levels, a year where we've been torn from what's normal, a year where we've been torn from the things that create for us structures of safety in our lives, be it our study routines or our work environments and routines, our travel routines, whatever it might be. 
We've been lost in the woods where predictability and familiarity are commodities that we no longer trade in. We've been separated from community, from our routines, from our plans, at times from our recreational activities, from our holidays, from our jobs, from financial stability. This year has been a year that has defined, redefined what success even looks like, separating us from old paradigms of achievement. A year that has maybe for you felt like that you are on the side of a slippery hill, feeling like that you're applying the accelerator, trying to get up this thing, but the more a pressure you apply, the more you realize that you're actually going nowhere. It feels like you're going forward, but there is no movement and momentum. They're as elusive as a shark's premiership. You had it once, but it feels like you're never gonna get that kind of forward movement again. Maybe in all of this too, you felt separation from God. Let's not discount this in our lives. Separated from his plan, separated from his purposes in your life. For many, we've been separated from community, even at times, separation from the gathered community of God's people here at church. I mean, I don't wanna go too far down this rabbit hole, but notwithstanding all of this that we've experienced this year, we're often and acutely aware of our own sin and inadequacies before God. And if you're like me, it's a daily journey of the soul where we have to wrestle for the truth of forgiveness, grace, and mercy to prevail over the feelings of judgment. It's quite easy as we walk the road of faith to feel separated from God. Let's not pretend that it is any other way. Our shame and our guilt reflex can easily become what feels like a wedge being driven between us and God, and it can leave us feeling pretty unworthy and pretty yuck. So whether it's been this year or last, or if it's in this very moment you find yourself right now, or if it's been in moments gone by, the feeling of being stuck in the dark of night, in the middle of nowhere, separated from life, from other people, from love, from purpose, from your passions, or from God, if we're honest, we all know what that feels like. And I want this morning for the Word of God to penetrate those feelings and reveal the truth that is beyond them. I don't wanna deny those feelings because we all at times have them, because they are real. But we know that feelings often aren't great truth tellers, but I'm thankful this morning that the word of God is. And so the word of God this morning says to us, this is again in Romans chapter eight, verse 31. It is entitled, God's Everlasting Love. And Paul writes, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that though, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who, Paul asks, shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. 
we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. You see, at one time or another, Paul experienced everything that he lists here. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, violence. I wonder at what kind of level of guilt and shame Paul felt from when he wasn't Paul and he was Saul and in fact he was the chief terrorist against God's church responsible for commissioning the murder and execution of Jesus' followers. I wonder how he was feeling as he was penning this very thing. And if someone is qualified to drop the truth bomb that Paul is about to drop in this next passage of scripture, it's him. He goes on, verse 37, no, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, when our experience or feelings tell us that we're lost in the woods of sin, guilt, and shame, the Word of God tells us that we're found. When our experience or feelings tell us that we're separated and unworthy of love, the Word tells us that nothing, death, life, angels, demons, presidents, prime ministers, big business, big tech, no borders, no culture, no systems, no policies, no viruses, no pandemics, nothing at all in God's good creation can separate you from God's love. It reminds me of a song from Sunday school. Jesus' love is very wonderful. Jesus' love is very wonderful. Jesus' love is very wonderful. Oh, wonderful love. It's so high, you can't get over it. So wide, you can't get round it. So low, you can't get under it. Oh, wonderful love. Troy Dixon suggested we do that again, but in the round. <laughs> and all the old Baptists get excited. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. But there's still a wrestle road, though, right? Like, that is truth. And that is our promise for today. That nothing at all, nothing, no thing, like no, no thing at all, anywhere, anything, any sin, any, any, anything in Jesus can separate us from God's love, that is truth. But yet what is also true at the same time, as I said, is that it doesn't always feel like that. So what do we do with that? What do we do with this tension of God's love being for us and with us and toward us and upon us and in us all the time through Jesus? But when we walk through life, we have moments where we just don't feel it. Because that's equally as true. We don't feel it. There's one thought I want to explore by way of application to our lives this morning. And it's this, and I'll come back to it a few times, is what feels like moments or seasons of separation is often times of preparation for what God wants to do next. Now I got thinking about moments of separation experienced by God's people throughout Scripture, moments where they were torn from normality, 
where they were displaced from people and land, when they were removed from familiarity, from safety, from security, where God's very people themselves felt lost, separated from God, separated from community, separated from their sense of mission and purpose in the world. You know, I was thinking about Israel in captivity as they found themselves in Egypt. You know, they had a destiny to be prosperous and fruitful nation, to be a group of people, a a, a nation of people commissioned to be a blessing to the world. I mean, it was promised to them through Abraham. This was what God had said for them and about them. This was their thing in life, to be a prosperous nation, to be one that was the the glowing light of the world, to be the one that would go forth and multiply and all of the grace and goodness of God would flow and stem through the nation of Israel, but yet they found themselves locked up in captivity under Pharaoh. I mean, I'd hazard a guess that they didn't feel quite free and quite fruitful while they were making bricks without straw, as they were being slave-driven by Pharaoh's commandants to go and make bricks. In fact, they're not going to give them straw and you've got to make the same amount in the same amount of time and they were treated with the greatest injustice. You know, I can imagine that they would have been at work either among themselves or on their own praying the but God you said kind of prayers. I mean, have you had those where you feel like God has spoken to you about where you're going and about what you're doing and what he's called you to? but it looks a little bit more like Egypt now than it does the promised land. And you start asking God or crying out to God, but God, you said we'd be like this, but my experience is saying that it's like this. Now, the Israelites would have felt lost even though they weren't. God was right there. They would have felt separated even though they weren't. God was right there. I mean, they would have felt so disconnected from their mission and purpose to be that nation but they weren't, God was right there. They would have felt like they were far from where God had intended them to be, but the truth was God was right there, both are true. And even though they didn't always get it right in Egypt, they whinged, they complained, they carried on. I wondered what they learnt in Egypt. They learnt what injustice felt like in Egypt. They learnt that God was powerful to act on their behalf in Egypt, we see that through the plagues. They learnt that God was sovereign over all of the earth, the water and the sky through them. They learnt that the blood of the lamb offered protection and salvation in Egypt. So if you're in a season right now where you're praying the but God you said kind of prayers, may I humbly suggest to you this morning that just maybe God is using this time that feels like separation as a time of preparation for what he's going to do in your life next. In a place where it felt like so much had been taken from them, God was doing something in them to prepare them for what he was doing next. You see, in my experience, times of preparation are usually times of formation. A few years ago, I was fighting for something, believing that um, this thing in my life uh, was to be the way and the will of God for me. I was so convinced that I was smack bang in the center of what God was doing. 
And then I walked through an experience that felt like what I was holding onto was that truth was being taken away. I remember that time I went fishing and I was alone and I, I, I remember uh, crying and just saying, God, this isn't how it was meant to end. And normally I'm really happy when I go fishing. I was upset with God that day that I'd found some snot and tears out there while I was on the water. It was my dad, but you said, God, you said, moment. And I remember feeling so lost and separated from everything that I felt God had been saying. But I knew he was there because both are true. He was, but I felt like this. I felt so lost and separated, but at the same time, I knew how intimately close he was. And as I look back over those years, I see more clearly than ever that that season of what felt like separation from God's way of preparation for my formation in that season of what felt like separation was God's way of restoration and transformation and preparation for a season that I couldn't even see yet. So this morning, I want to encourage you, that is in the true sense of the word, to, to take courage and place it in you and say in your situation right now, in what may look or feel like a step away from the plan of God, in what may look or feel like a running from God, in what can look like or feel like rebelling against God's instruction in your life, in what may look like being defeated, locked up, torn from reality, normality, or, and familiarity, God is at work. He is cleaving himself to your heart and your story to create in you and for you the future in you and for our world through you. That this moment of confusion where peace may seem elusive, God is cleaving himself to your heart and to your story to prepare and to form you for the very next thing he's going to do. And there was a lot that I got wrong along the way or at least maybe made some unwise choices as I navigated this season of life and like you, I'm human too. And I reached out to a mentor and asked loads of questions and I summarised his wisdom in these three things to do while I felt like I was in Egypt, while I felt in that place of lostness and separation while knowing God was still there. And he said these three things, Dave, keep a soft heart. If you're writing notes down, here's, my, here's, here's some things I want you to remember if you're feeling like you are in a season of separation where God's doing some work in you. Keep a soft heart. Keep a sweet spirit and keep an inclined ear to what the Spirit is saying. And I'm not gonna unpack those three things because they weren't done for me. I had to go and work out what that meant on my own. I want you to go and wrestle with those things. What for me does a soft heart look like just now? How can I keep my spirit sweet? And am I inclining my ear to what the Spirit is saying? Egypt sucked, but it set the people of Israel up to walk into the future God had had for them in true freedom. So in your life, again, what may look like separation from God's plan, in what seem, may seem like the conditions that aren't conducive to the activity of God, he is so, so close. So in case you were left wondering, we got out of the forest that night. 
I remember waking up as we pulled into the South Nowra McDonald's at about midnight. As I look back, I remember feeling the, the weightiness of our lostness. But I also recall the comfort of knowing that dad and mum were there. My brother and sister were there too, but they're annoying. <laughs> See, being or feeling lost is okay when you know there's love in the room. There have been moments with each of our kids for one reason or another and you may have experienced this, where they are entirely inconsolable. Where they are crying to the point they don't even know why they're crying anymore. Uh, to the point where uh, while you're hugging them and trying to comfort them, they're resisting and pushing away and screaming and there is kind of a nonsensical environment happening right there and then. Each time this has happened with any of our kids, I've simply grabbed them tight and I've brought them near and I have just repeated and repeated and repeated for as many minutes, daddy's here, daddy's here, daddy's here, daddy's here, daddy's here, daddy's here, daddy's here. And sure enough, it seems like that has been the only strategy that's ever consoled a child who didn't know which way was up or where they were. And I want us to be encouraged that there is a lot of love in this room and your daddy is here. There's brothers and sisters too, but we can all be a little bit annoying. And if you're feeling lost, nothing can separate you from his love. If you're feeling like you are bogged on the side of an insurmountable hill, your daddy's there. If you're feeling lost in the dark, disoriented, confused, your daddy's there. If you're feeling unsure, unsettled, not at peace, God is so, so close. Because Jesus is here. And we know that the scripture has told us and will keep telling us that in Jesus there is nothing that can rip us from the grasp of the daddy's hug. There is nothing that can be more reassuring to our faith this morning than knowing that our heavenly dad is right here. And so whatever pain you may be sitting in or whatever uncertainty you're sitting in, or whatever unrest you may be sitting in right now. Be entirely assured of the scriptures that promise to us that whatever wrestles and whatever questions, whatever doubts, whatever is surrounding you right now, you may feel like you're kicking and screaming and pushing God away and going, ah, you don't even know why you're crying anymore. That you are in the Father's embrace and that there is love in the room of God's people. There is love in his kingdom that is unending and it is all yours. All yours. Father, we take this moment and I ask Holy Spirit that you would speak your words of love into our life. That right now by your spirit you'd whisper to each heart, Daddy's here. we look back at the seasons and the times of lostness in times gone by, we give thanks that daddy was there. We feel your closest right now, Holy Spirit, putting courage in us, reminding us that you are right here.
no sin, no structure, no government, no particular person, no institution, no church, no wrongdoing, no false thinking can separate us in Jesus from the love of God. Jesus, we come to you this morning and as Kim said earlier, we give you consent to do the work of preparation and formation within us for the season that is to come. God, that you're equipping each heart and each life right now for what is coming. That you are speaking words of hope and life right now. That you are unlocking dreams in people's hearts for a season to come. That you are reminding us of your goodness. You're reminding us of your sovereignty. You're reminding us of your power. You're reminding us of your goodness. You're reminding us of your nearness. You're reminding us of your strength. Father, we are a people who don't belong in Egypt, but we are a people who belong in the promised land. And so, Father, this morning we look to that place. We look to the season to come. We look to what you're doing in the future and we say, prepare us now and form us now, Lord. That nothing would be wasted in this season, that we would take it into the next, that we would be a stronger church, that we would be a more mature believer, that we would be a more convinced and unified body who is going forward in the purposes of God. May we always know in these things that you are always for us ever separate us from your love in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching. If you'd like to connect with us, make a financial gift, or find out more about Kingsway Churches, head to kingsway.org.au. Have a good one.